the Spot Track Podcast, talking sports contracts, the salary cap, and business of sports. Welcome to another edition of the Spot Track Podcast. My name is Mike Gennetti. It is schedule release day. We're going to spend the next hour and a half breaking down every single game from top. I'm kidding. Uh, it is an NFL show. A little bit of NBA. Actually, a lot of bit of NBA. We're going to go about half and half here. Um, going to talk Mahomes. Going to talk Jordan Love. Got to get the quarterback uh, bills paid here. And then I'm going to flip the switch to the All-NBA awardees from the NBA and what that means, contractually speaking, for more than a few. It's a, it's a notable list of names, a couple of surprises, a couple of spoilers, a couple of shuns, but there's uh, there's some contractual obligations to be dealt with here. So that'll be the second half of this piece. But uh, as mentioned, let's start with Patrick Mahomes. The Chiefs are not being shy about the fact that they are willing to talk. Renegotiation with the rest of his contract, which is nine years, $144 million, no slight. I'm going to talk about the current contract a little bit, something I've done quite a bit here, but it's always worth discussing because now it it's going to factor in. Here's what I, what I think I know, um, just reading these tea leaves. I don't think this thing's going to be ripped up and start over. I don't think this is going to be a brand spanking new contract with uh, all the bells and whistles that you can imagine. I do believe that they're simply going to do some reshuffling on this thing to make it a little bit obviously more potent, a little bit better cash flow, something that that this contract simply did not have out of the gate. And whether that was calculated or not is up to debate, and plenty of people have done so. But there's going to be some money added in here, right? It's not going to be take from the bottom and bring it up to the top only, Though that's a big part of it, and I'll get to that in a second. So point number one to be made here is I don't see the next nine years of this contract just automatically going away for a new five-year deal. There's a world where it's a shorter deal at the end of this, right? Maybe two or three of these years are turned into void years so that Mahomes has has an easier way to get out of this thing and start over. He may want that, but what he wants the most is a stronger cash flow. We have a column on spottrick.com with every player page that shows you the average salary of the contract at any given year. So for instance, in year two, in 2021, this contract was a $16 million per year contract, 16.8 million, right? He earned $33 million over the first two, two years of this contract, which if you think about it in context to some of these other quarterback deals we're seeing, Lamar Jackson's about to make $80 million this year. Patrick Mahomes didn't make $80 million on this contract extension until three and a half. In fact, he hasn't made it yet. <laughs> He's paid $65 million. He was paid a portion of his roster bonus, which was $22.4 million this year. And he was paid a restructure bonus, a signing bonus that was converted. So he has barely made $80 million on this extension, three and a half years into it, and Lamar Jackson's about to make 80 in year one. That's the difference. That's that's how different and unique these contracts can be. It's not one size fits all, obviously. So with Mahomes, if you just run down this adjusted AAV column, and it starts at 11, up to 16, up to 21, in, in 2023, it's a $26.5 million per year contract. That's freaking Garoppolo money, right? That's that's barely, barely a bridge contract for a quarterback right now. 
Guess how long it takes for this to actually be a 40 million per year contract? 12 years. In 2031, the 480 divided by 12 will get us to 40 million, almost on the nails. Before that, it's a 20 something until 2025, it's a 30 something until 2031. It's wild, right? We hear 10 for 450, we hear the 45 million per year, we hear all these numbers that are attached to these contracts and we have to publish them that way because this is how the league publishes them. And then you actually do the cash flow crunching and you actually look year to year. And I know some of you run fantasy leagues that either use the whole AAV or maybe even use a singular year by year. It gets pretty complicated and it gets pretty underwhelming when you start to break it down year to year, row to row. So not, not only is he not a $50 million quarterback, he's barely a 40. Barely. He, he would have to play out all 12 years here to get to a 40 million per year mark, which means, as we all know, this was heavily backloaded. The last five years carries just over $250 million cash. The first five years carries 144. And he's made 66 of that so far. So as I said, when it happened, as I said, the last couple of times that I've broken down this contract, whether it's in comparison or just to do it, because it's, it's the biggest contract we have in the NFL. There was a way for Patrick Mahomes to keep this thing cap friendly and team friendly from a salary cap perspective and still make great money. And he chose not to. He chose not to. He chose to align this thing like it's still a rookie contract. I mentioned the arbitration comparison to baseball. He put himself through three years of arbitration, which he just finished. And now he gets to start with this free agent contract. And free agent year number one pays him $40 million cash this year. So it's, it's a great payday this year. <clears throat> but it's, it took forever to get here. Now, some of you out there may be saying, great. He's helping the team from a cash perspective too because cash is actually paid out every year, right? Hundreds of millions are paid to the roster and Mahomes was simply helping his organization in all facets. You're absolutely correct. Here's where I would push back on that. If I'm Agent X evaluating Patrick Mahomes' career, the time and place to do that is after this contract which is why the 10-year extension, the 12-year contract, to me was the biggest mistake ever, 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 ever. This is your time, right? 25 years old, 24 years old when you sign. You've gone through three years of rookie wage. You can call it manipulation, right? Suppression is probably the best word. It's just how the league works now. And you got to the Super Bowl, you did everything you were asked to do on the field. And you simply couldn't make more than X because X is what the CBA says you're allowed to make per your draft spot. Now you get freedom. Now you, the chains are cut. Why, why initially, right out of the gate, fall back into that, I'm going to take less mode? To me, that's not good for the league. It's not. Quarterbacks specifically, but everybody, right? Any, anyone, Micah Parsons next year. Justin Jefferson, this or next year. You got to do what's right for your position group. 
and maximize everything possible while also being conscious of the cap situation and working with the team to make sure that they're not going to get crushed while you're trying to win a Super Bowl. Again, we've seen quarterbacks do this. You can still make good, good money, cash, and help your team out with the cap. So I believe the mistake was locking in the career contract with tons and tons backloaded, 250 million plus backloaded into the last five years, which by the way is 2027 through 2031. So it feels like forever, right? And in fact, we're never going to get there because this is about to be restructured heavily in order to take 100 million over the first four or 144 over the first five. Instead, it could have been 175 over the first five and then we're out of this thing. And gigantic roster bonuses in year four or five, which just puts the pressure on the Chiefs to make sure they have to renegotiate this thing after three years. In other words, that five-year rookie contract you just had, the four plus the option, where four slotted, five, five at least gets you a pay raise if you do well, Pro Bowls and whatnot. Turn that into a rookie extension, five years, three and a half fully guaranteed for fourth and fifth year options, but bloated with cap so that they had to renegotiate. Use the rookie wage scale to your benefit and create a veteran scale extension that ensures you maximize your earnings in the first couple of years and get you out of it so that you can start over again. And then you can get on the Brady trail if you want to then, but maximize those first couple of years. So Long story short, I, I think Mahomes did the exact opposite of what he should have done here. And now we're going to find out how much the Chiefs are willing to bend. My guess is quite a bit, right? Will they tack, you know, cut away a couple of those years at the bottom? Will they bring a lot of that 250 forward? I believe so. I believe that's how this is going to work. If we run the next five years of cash on the current Patrick Mahomes contract, it gets us to $222.25 million over five years, which on an average annual is $44.45 million. So this is the heart and meat and potatoes of this contract. This is where the $45 million per year essentially comes together. Took a ton less in the first three. Now it starts to meet and potatoes a little bit, though it does vary quite a bit, right? 40, 38, 41, 41, 60 in 2027. A line I've drawn quite a bit if you heard me talk about this contract. So we get to 44.4 million per year for the next five years. We know where things currently stand with Lamar at 52, Jalen at 51. We believe Burrow's going north of that. We believe Herbert is going at or north of that. So 53 through 55 is now the new AAV to hit. Let's not even talk about guarantees because Mahomes is getting a guaranteed contract. In fact, my guess is those next five years we're talking about here, 80 to 100% fully guaranteed. Uh, I don't know how you could think otherwise, right? Could be the early vesting stuff that's built into the current contract. That would probably work just fine. He might push some of these roster bonuses into a signing bonus and, uh, and build in some of this proration now that everybody feels a hell of a lot more comfortable about his, his career, right? Which certainly outside of injury is, is going to be long and fruitful. So I would imagine a signing bonus is coming here, something they've been alleviating. It was a $10 million initial signing bonus, by the way. They did not want that dead cap to hit. 
It was about year-to-year roster bonuses, and they will dictate cap conversions and things like that as they need to, which is smart from the Chiefs' perspective. But they're going to have to take a big chunk out here. So if it's 222 over five right now, 44 per year, is it as easy as making those next five years 275 and getting him to 55 million a year? I think so. I, th- I think so. I, I wouldn't even wait to see where Burrow ends up, to see where Herbert ends up. If I'm the Chiefs, I- I'm looking to take a good chunk from the last couple of seasons and pushing it forward. Uh, really, all you need to do is take 2031, move it into the next five years, maybe even make that the signing bonus. And you've got yourself 275 over five with at least 100 million guaranteed this year. Because that's the other number. Not only this time am I looking for the four-year guarantee, the 55 million a year-ish, but now I want to hit that Lamar number. I want Patrick Mahomes to make $81 million this year. And I think that's exactly right. Okay. Lamar's an excellent player and his cash flow can be whatever he wants it to be. He's, I think he did an excellent job self-negotiating a good structure for him and the Ravens. I really do. And I've talked about it in the last episode. But Patrick Mahomes, when he signed this contract, was a unicorn. And this contract became the unicorn contract and still is. It doesn't mean it's the best contract. It's just a standalone contract. He's the best quarterback in football. And he has been for a while. And I'm of the essence that the contract should match that. So instead of saying it has to be the longest contract or it has to have the gaudiest numbers, let's work on the numbers that actually mean a damn. And for now, because of the catch-up that should happen from the last three seasons, I think year one cash should be a priority, an absolute priority. So I'm looking for five years at 275. And I'm looking for 81 million this year. And whether that's a hefty signing bonus of 52 million plus, but that last year cut off, that's great. But those are the numbers that matter to me the most. Now, how can we make the cap work? As I mentioned, you're going to utilize a signing bonus, in my opinion, in this regard. So you're going to have a good portion of this spread out over the next five seasons anyway. Then you can build in those roster bonuses in 26, 27, as he's done to put pressure on in March to make sure that they can cap conversion as needed and uh, keep those cap hits at least tenable. Reminding themselves, though, that the salary cap is going to be approaching 280 in the next five seasons at some point in time. And, uh, and then what do we do with the last four to five seasons? Right? Have we cut off 2031 and pulled that cash in? So are we talking about three additional seasons? 28, 29, and 30. Right now, that those are about 47 million per year. Do you think that would be an acceptable 30 age 33 contract? I think it might be. I think that might be something that that all parties could agree to. Now, Mahomes and his agent may be saying, let's just chop this thing off after 2027. If you need void years, you can use them, something the Chiefs generally don't want to do. So is there a compromise there? Maybe. How many years of fluff have to get built into this thing, if any? Because this current contract, while it's low on cash, as we've talked about, and, and low on cash structure, there was no out pattern without Mahomes getting a ton of cash to, to leave. Every year was early except for the last year. Every roster bonus vested the year prior, at least some or two years prior, 
every base salary one year or two years prior. So is that a good enough structure for him to keep the cash flow in the last three seasons? It might be because we're talking about 140 million over three after coming off of five for 275. I'm of, I'm of the mindset that that would be enough because if I'm a Holmes, I, don't, I can't ruffle too many feathers here. I agreed to this contract. I've certainly outplayed it. I've, I've outplayed any contract that would have been put in front of me at that point in time. And I continue to have a team that I can win with. Now there's been, you know, there's been casualties in Tyreek and et cetera. Tyron Matthew, maybe Frank Clark this year. But they've been able to keep this band together really well. And Kelsey's window is going to start closing here, age-wise. <clears throat> but Mahomes is not. So it's time for Mahomes to maximize this, as I mentioned. 81 this year, 275 over 5. Keep those early vesting guarantees in the back three so that you, you're taking maybe less cash, certainly less cash, than you'll be worth. And there'll be talk about renegotiating after 2027 anyway. Lap off the, net the last year. No more 2031 in this contract. Bring it all forward. Sign the renegotiated contract. That includes a better cash flow for the next five with the ability to continue to spread that cap out as needed. All right, switching gears to another quarterback, the new quarterback of the Green Bay Packers, Jordan Love, who signed a one-year, $13.5 million contract to rip up the fifth-year option to increase his fourth-year rookie pay and to really give the Packers a two-year window to figure this thing out. Um, I've been waiting to see the full details on this before I broke it down and talked about it a little bit here. We have them now. It's, of course, a, non, a non-clean signing bonus because, of course, it is. That's just how some of these teams operate. For all, all intents and purposes, it's an $8.7 million signing bonus. They've utilized three void years to lower that cap hit. You bring over some, some proration from the rookie contract and a basically minimum $1 million salary for this year. And Jordan Love, on its face, just base value, is going to make $9.8 million cash this year with a $4.4 million cap hit. So that certainly works for both parties because Jordan Love was previously set to make about $2.2 million on the fourth year of his rookie contract, 2.3 really. So a significant increase, $7.5 million new cash this year. That's certainly something he's good with. And he now gets a chance to go out there with a full season, with a good roster, mostly the same roster that Aaron Rodgers just left, and see what he can do. And what happens if it goes awful? Well, they don't even have to release him, right? The next year's salary of $5.5 million is fully guaranteed. There's a $500,000 workout bonus that got tossed in there. And, uh, you know, the dead cap sits at about $12.5 million. If they do nothing, if they keep this guy on the roster, it's a $7.7 million cap at next year with $6 million of cash, assuming he didn't hit any of the incentives and the escalators that are built into this. And there's $9 million of those built in. So if it all goes wrong, he can just be a high-paid backup player next year on a fully guaranteed $5.5 million salary. Now, the Packers could also just cut bait. The Packers could certainly trade him. It's a tradable contract as well. And then they'll have $5.2 million of voided dead cap after that. So there's options. And that's certainly what this was all about. Let's give Jordan Love a little bit more cash this year and in compromise, instead of taking a $20 million fully guaranteed chance on him for 2024, 
Now we have options. And he can either be a higher paid backup quarterback, fully guaranteed. He can be a starting quarterback. And we're just not sure. And there's no reason to extend him yet. We got to see what we got to see. Or we can trade him and let another team figure it out for a year on a very friendly contract, five and a half million. Or he's excellent. And next year gets completely ripped up. And we take that five and a half guaranteed and migrate it into a gigantic extension. And we go from there. Obviously, that's best case scenario. But all those options are now on the table because they got rid of the fifth year option, which would have been a much more binding presence. So flexibility, a little bit more cash this year, certainly a nice cap at a 4.4 million for the Packers to work with and, uh, and a usable 2024 if needed. Otherwise, certainly a situation they can get out of for a small payment. One more NFL note, and then we'll move to the NBA. Uh, running back Dalvin Cook for the Minnesota Vikings. It's been rumored for a while. He's on our roster bubble list now starting in the last December. It just seems like that relationship is starting to wear. And some of the sources that I truly, truly trust now are starting to say it out loud, that it appears that a divide is coming. Certainly, they're trying to trade him. There's $11 million cash to be made this year, although only $2 million of that is fully guaranteed right now. There's per gamers. There's a workout bonus, which he's earned a portion of right now. So it's a, it's a decent sized contract for a player now 28 years old. That's the scary age for running backs, as we know. It's 11 this year. It's 12 and a half next year. It's 13 and a half in 2025. But nothing after this $2 million right now has any kind of early guarantee. There's no March roster bonus. There's no additional kick-in or vesting for a guarantee. It's really just a fluffy back end of this contract to deal with. So if we look at it in that regard, do we believe that a team will acquire Delvin Cook for draft capital on what would be about an $11 million cap and cash hit this year? I don't believe that's the case. What's most likely now is that Delvin Cook will be outright released probably after June 1st. It'll free up $9 million of cap for Minnesota. They're going to have to pay him that $2 million salary, assuming there's no offsets built into it. And if there are, we'll talk about that in a second. But dead cap-wise, it's 5-1 this year, 3-1 next year, and then they can wipe their hands clean with Delvin Cook. So it's certainly a doable release, especially after June 1st, but there is this $2 million of cash to deal with. Now, we've seen a lot of teams structure contracts that have small salary guarantees or a small roster bonus guarantee in a year where they probably never plan on keeping that player. And they know they're going to have to pay this out to walk away from a player. But two things. A, because that salary and cap lives in a future year, they never had to account for it on their current cap. So they were able to operate with the player on the roster without that cap having to be dealt with. Again, they have to eventually, but they didn't have to at the time. And B, as long as offsets exist, and offsets are this, a player is owed salary, but if he goes and signs a contract with a new team, whatever he earns from that new team can be subtracted from the salary he was owed from his previous team. So let's say Delvin Cook joins the... Tampa Bay Buccaneers on a one-year $3.5 million contract. Well, 3.5 is more than two, 
which means Minnesota, assuming offsets exist, would not owe Delvin Cook a dime this year. Tampa Bay would pay the $3.5 million. That would cover the salary offset. He would earn all of it from Tampa Bay and earn nothing more from Minnesota. Minnesota would still carry that $2 million dead cap, but would be credited that back next season. So there's a little bit of a penalty there, right? The offsets still carry you, make you carry that dead weight until the end of the season, and then you get the credit back for it next year. Worth it for a lot of situations. The Rams have been doing this quite a bit. I think they'll continue to do it. They love those cap credits. They love those, those February adjustment period time that the NFLPA has to put out there. Okay. And it's not a bad way to operate. Again, it's, it's almost like, a, like an invisible restructure. Right? We'll worry about it later. We got we to gotta worry about our situation right now. We're right up against the margin. We got to make this work. We're going to get this guy his money or we're going to dangle this money out there in that year, in that 2023 year. And then if we don't want to, if we can't, don't want to pay it, we'll cut him. We'll take the dead hit and we'll hope that somebody else will pay the salary. And that's what's going to happen here. In my opinion, that's what's going to happen. The scenario I just laid out with you with, with, a, with a team like Tampa Bay, and there's a few others as well. Bringing in Delvin Cook on at least the two million, right? His minimum is one one six five plus a signing bonus. Okay, so it's going to be close to that two million no matter what. But you get a couple teams involved, it'll skyrocket into into the three or four million mark, and then some. He's still a very talented player, but from a contract structural standpoint, this is a fascinating one, and it's something I think we're going to see more of. So I wanted to take a few minutes to break it down here with offsets, with future guarantees, with things like that. But I do believe this will end with a release, not a trade, as uh, teams simply don't want to take on the $11 million to start with and then have to work with Delvin Cook to make that more team-friendly after the fact. All right, switching gears fully to the NBA and the all-NBA teams now that have been released last night. Not a ton of surprises, in my opinion. Um, I'm really going to focus on the players that have financial ramifications here. So... Uh, we'll start with the Boston players, Jason Tatum, who made first team all NBA as expected. He signed through 2024, 25 fully guaranteed. And there's an option after that, which we can basically just throw in the garbage right now, no matter what happens. Okay. Now, certainly though, this is what this means for Jason Tatum. He's going to make 32, six next season. He's going to make 34, eight the year after that. All right, so $67 million and change over the next two seasons. That's already locked in from his current contract. Next summer, next July, so 2024, he is now eligible for a projected five-year, $318 million extension because of this all-NBA berth. That's what Supermax means to players who are approaching you know, top veteran status like Jason Tatum is. That's a $64 million per year extension. That's where we're going, folks. All right, we're heading for 70 as quickly as I can say it out loud. All right, this league is unbelievably healthy. There are stars all over the place, right? Every team has somebody right now that is probably worth a max contract in their, in their mind, right? And mostly that translates to max contract in paper too. So... A lot of these names here are going to be making 50 to 60 million a year, if not more, over the next five to six seasons. It's where the whole league is going. And this all NBA list, which is now on spotrack.com, by the way, and a great article breaking down every player's current financial situation, 
every player here has $60 million per year in mind. Tatum's teammate, Jalen Brown, is going to get the most immediate benefactor from this second team nomination. Uh, he's been the topic of conversation with these contracts because he fell into that 120% increase rule, which basically meant he's going to have to run his current contract out with Boston before he does anything. Otherwise, he's simply a fool and he's, he's throwing money away by signing any kind of contract early, as Keith Smith has laid out for us nicely, both in articles and on this show. The All-NBA berth now gives him the chance for Supermax extension, which he can do basically as soon as this offseason starts. He's, he's locked into $28.5 next year. All right, that's guaranteed from this current contract. He's now eligible for five years, $294 million plus, based on the cap, the next five seasons after that. That would start in the 2024 season. So we're talking about $59 million a year for, Jason, for Jalen Brown which means in the 2025-26 season, when Tatum's new deal starts and when Jalen Brown will be in year two of his deal, we're talking about $63 million a year for Jason Tatum and $60 million a year for Jalen Brown. That's $123 million per year for two players on a roster that needs 12 to 15 at any point in time. It's insane, right? It's insane. You think the quarterback gap is wide from the rest of the league. The superstar gap in the NBA is, is really taking its places. The good thing about the NBA CBA structure, and honestly, it's getting more aggressive in this latest version, is that everybody will trickle up with this. Everybody will, okay? Because everything's based on a percentage of the cap. So the numbers I'm giving you are estimates based on what we think the cap's going to be in 2024 and 2025, respectively. Keith, Keith Smith is pretty darn good at hitting those numbers. So I'm pretty confident in telling you where these things are going to land. But that's the best part about this. Whereas I just spent 20 minutes on a Patrick Mahomes extension that's going to pay him $55 million a year, probably for real, over the next five seasons, in, you know, in theory. And there's a starting right tackle on that team that won't be here next year because of that contract. And the new one, probably drafted in the third round, We'll make four and a half million per year for the next four seasons. One year of that fully guaranteed. And that's just how it works. And sure, there's a rookie scale in the NBA in the first round. And then two years into that contract, you can start talking about uh, the rookie extension, the 20% extension, or a supermax extension if that rookie, drafted rookie, is an immediate superstar. That's the difference. In the NBA, there's a slotted formulaic way to get rich immediately, almost immediately. You got to put in a couple of years of, of work, and, and certainly we've seen the rookies this year doing that, but you can get stinking rich immediately. And in the NFL, it's kind of at discretion. Is the team willing to do it? Is the team in the right situation to do it? Are they willing to trade you for, to get you in a better situation? Because that's something the NBA has become very, very good at. <clears throat> Are you in a position that actually pays? Well, the NBA is basically positionless, so that's not even a conversation anymore. So the Celtics being able to put 123, 125 million per year up for two players sounds ridiculous, and maybe they won't do it, right? Maybe Jalen Brown is traded before or early on in this contract because it's just not a sustainable situation on the on the court. But maybe not, right? Maybe this is just where things are going, and if you've got guys, this is the kind of money you're going to have to take as an owner to keep a band like this together. But it's certainly worth talking about. 
certainly worth talking about. Okay, quickly, a couple of other players who made an All-NBA team who are heading towards some sort of contract decision. Uh, DeMontis Sabonis with the Sacramento Kings. Not the best taste in our mouth to finish this season, but certainly a hell of a season. Uh, he'll be entering a contract year in 2023-24 based on a $19.4 million salary. I think he's worth more than that, knowing that you know the superstars in this league are now in the 60s. I believe an extension will happen. Will it be a full max extension? We're going to talk to Keith Smith about that in some time here. LeBron James, we've heard of him. Essentially a contract year in 2023. Set to make $47 million next year. He carries a $50.6 million player option for the 2024-25 season. Certainly could be something he, he, he honors. Uh, but it gives him certainly all the options in the world. He'll be 40 years old at that point in time or heading towards 40. Uh, his son will be considering his options and you know where this is headed. There's going to be some sort of matchmaking game somewhere in somewhere, but if things don't work out the way he wants it to, this could also be a, two, uh, you know, a, a one plus one extension that gets him a higher first year salary with a player option for 2025. So options for LeBron, but certainly not, multi-year contract structure for him right now, nor, the, nor has it been in quite some time. He's, uh, he's always kept it close to the vest. And then the only other name to mention here is Giannis. And I talked with Keith about it last week. Uh, we're both kind of adamantly on the same page with this. Giannis is eligible to tack on years here. And certainly his first team All-NBA is going to do whatever he needs it to do. He's now a 10-year vet. So he's graduated to that point of his career now where there's really no strings. It, it is what it is. He's uh, as long as he's playing at, to, to the level he's playing, Max is an understatement. He's got two guaranteed years left, 45-6 and 48-7 respectively over the next two seasons. Then there's a $52 million player option. He can extend this offseason. He can do the Dame Lillard two-year early extension, you know, essentially ripping up that player option and turning it into a three-year a three -year extension for a five-year total. We don't believe that's the case. Keith is adamant that Giannis wants to keep the pressure on this Bucks organization. He likes the fact that there's an expiration date approaching, that you can draw a line in the sand with a contention window. There's a Middleton problem. There's other, you know, there's four or five free agents, Ingles and then some, that either need to get replaced or re-signed. So rather than say, I'm here forever with an extension, which is essentially what he would be doing, right? Dame Lillard has done this literally and said this out loud. So rather than do that, even if it's what he wants, staying in this current contract, keeping things as is, puts the pressure on, keeps other teams at least alive in 2025, 26, that an opt-out and free agency could be possible. It's not likely, you know, it's certainly not likely. Giannis is saying all the right things. But he's eligible. He's done everything he needed to do to get that Supermax again. And uh, I just don't think that's in the cards this offseason. Now, this time next year, with essentially an expiring contract on $48 million, for sure. Especially when the Tatums of the world have done it in the, you know, are in the 60s. The Morants of the world, even though he can't Supermax, have, has his money. All of the uh, contenders, the superstar contenders around him, will be much better paid than, than Giannis. And uh, if the Bucks organization does a great job of keeping this thing together, July of 2024 should be Tatum's extension 
and Giannis's extension, and those two organizations can continue to roll down the down the train. Okay, that's enough from me today. Um, we got some baseball coming up here for sure. We will get back to some Otani updates. I think we're going to have to just evaluate Otani every six weeks because A, he's playing himself into this situation. And B, there are now probably 12 teams in. You know, there's a lot of great reporting out there. Obviously, this is where most people are spending their resources. And he's holding up this, his end of the bargain and then some. The Angels are kind of winning, kind of winning. And, uh, and that's good news for this whole situation. There are some really good teams floundering, which could make them be overly aggressive with an Otani situation. And, you know, we're going to see more big contracts. We're not done. We're seeing great rookie extensions, great pre-arb extensions. And uh, there's a Vlad Jr. discussion to be had here. There's a Juan Soto discussion, all of which I think will increase and amplify what Otani's able to get really in about six to seven months here. I think by, by Christmas, we'll know a hell of a lot more about this Otani situation, which is now a real, real free agency conversation. So that's coming down the docket. Dan and I will do as much work and resources as we can to bring that conversation to, and maybe we'll bring in a couple of more people from the outside who have, uh, who shed some light on this as well. And just have a discussion, a little round table about where Otani can actually get to and what's feasible, right? Cause we can, we can all say 500, 600, 650, but what's feasible for a roster. Certainly you want to make as much as you can as a player. And, and we've talked about all the reasons he deserves that, but what is actually feasible for a roster right now? you know, after seeing what the Mets have spent for sub 500, what the Yankees have spent for sub 500 and an Aaron, Aaron judge injury. It's just the reality of the sport. So it's a, it's a conversation. Like I said, we're probably gonna have every six to 10 weeks as he continues to progress closer to maybe the biggest free agency in the history of sports. Uh, I don't know that we'll have a contract like this anywhere else. We certainly don't have a multi-sport athlete like this anywhere else. So uh, we'll get back to that next week. Some more updates on the luxury tax. Some more updates on the NBA offseason because more and more teams are falling by the wayside and certainly a few more will fall by so this weekend. So Keith Smith back in the docket next week with me as well to start talking about some of the, uh, the fun teams. I know he did the Dallas Mavericks this week on SpotTrack.com. That's a fun team because it could be a blow it up. It could be a what's Luca's leash conversation. Certainly there's a Kyrie conversation, even though I know Keith doesn't want to touch that with a six foot pole, but that's a team that uh, is kind of must see off season watching. So we'll talk about that a little bit next week as well. For Scott Allen, my name is Mike Chinetti. Thanks for listening to this edition of the Spot Trek Podcast.